Sims and Lefko, hey, how you doing? How you feeling? How you living? How you moving? What up? Um, it is good to be back. Hall of Fame was this weekend. Yeah, we had our first preseason game, and a lot of them are kicking off this Thursday. Which that to me is when I begin to realize just how hard the job can be. Yeah, to keep up with oh, and all watch the games. all the games. So I you, know. you're going to try and watch a good I'm amount of try, them. Yes, I mean first preseason game. I'm not necessarily worried about evaluating the Aaron Rodgers of the world. Going, no. let me see if Aaron can still throw. You're the slant. a little bit like me. I make a list of right. all the rookies and I go, who are the and the maybe the new free agents. Exactly. Right. And I go, let me just watch a few, and then once they get off the field, okay, now I can move. I'm not going to check out the third stringers. Like I'm just no, no. I hear you. I'll wait for those guys to get fleshed out a little bit more. Or some of those third stringers end up putting up great statistics or they pop to me on film. Then Then I'll go, let me look at them a little harder here. Like a Kareem Hunt last year. Right, exactly right. Those kind of guys always uh, pop up. But, yeah, that's the way I approached the Hall of Fame watching that film the other day. I just wanted to see a few rookies, really. I mean, we know who I wanted to see. I wanted to see Lamar Jackson. Let's start right there. But first, I think think RG3 kind of – and we're going to get to the Hall of Famers. Let me just give a rundown. This new Odell uh, contract thing with the Giants. We're definitely getting to yes, we are. the trade of Corey Coleman, uh, Earl Thomas, Calvin Benjamin with some comments. Uh, and then I got some whoa big training camps, a Blake Bortles, a Kyle Shanahan, some fans. And then a rare occurrence on the pod. Hmm. Josh Fendrick, during our model photo shoot, did an interview with Drew Brees. And we're just going to let... We, we just, just let him go. We just let him do it. We're call us stupid, but we let him go. So, so Josh Fendrick finally earning his keep around here. Um, um Drew, um, do you put you, your workouts in a spreadsheet? When you threw for five thousand yards, did you um, categorize each completion from? Biggest to smallest? Yeah, did you go from A to Z or Z to A? Uh, yeah, so we have a, a rare Josh Fendrick interview with Drew Brees. Good evening. Good evening, Drew. Uh, so all that's coming. That's going to be coming up at the end of the show. But Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame game. RG3 looked pretty impressive. I think he was the star of the show for me. That, that was the Quick guy. decisions, out of his hand, right. accurate passes. Right. And, you know, I'm, I'm into little things, too, like, you know, watching the ball come out of his hands. Did it pop out of his hands? Like, ooh, it, it looked pretty good. Then bit. they show replays, right? And you go, let me see how it's spinning. Let me see the spiral. Yes. His spirals are perfect. I mean, his interception certainly wasn't his fault. We that have was Prashad not, It's Perriman. well documented. We're not the biggest fans of RG3. No, I am not an RG3 fan. Um, but I'm not going to sit here and hate on anything. I see on the football field and what I saw in the football field was a good start and a guy that's yeah putting himself in position not only to continue his career but really solidify himself as a backup if he can continue along this I this went journey. and went oh so that's what Marty Mortingweg studied this offseason the entire Eagles playbook like it just it <laughs> felt like that offense that he was trying to run yeah yeah Lamar yeah uh, Lamar's a rookie He's very much a rookie. Right. Uh, he Man, that he wanted to run. Yes. Did you think he was as fast as you thought it would be? Because well, to me, was he going full speed? This is what everybody has said. He didn't run away from anybody. He didn't I, run I away from I got scared. I know. Everybody did. This is so... Did you get scared too? Well, no. I get it. I knew those were like going to be some of the focal points. First of all, not even Michael Vick is always just going to run away from people. Like, Sure did feel like <laughs> I know. I know it does. 
But that's where having other great players on the field would help out a Lamar Jackson. Break that down. Like, okay, so the first bootleg of the game. Yes. Who, who was left. playing running back on that play? Do you remember? I don't. Yeah, neither does the defense. They were like, damn, Lamar's in. Let's just watch him. So, right? That's what they did. Uh, and he faked to the right, and the limited linebacker basically just said, I don't think he's going to give it to him. They're going to give it to Lamar boot out. And he ran out there with him. He didn't even funny. go with the fake. I didn't so think about that. When you don't have any greatness on the field to Truly worry about. all the eyes are on you. Right. Like, there was no running. There's no Marshall Yonda and Ronnie Stanley where they were going, damn, they're bludgeoning us down the hill run game five plays in a row. I got to worry about this. Oh, wait, Lamar's on the edge, and now he's got two steps on me, and now he looks really fast because I can't catch him. Random question. Yes. Is there any benefit for the Ravens to let Lamar keep the bootleg every single time this preseason because they know all the attention is going to be on him, and then when they use him in the game, he's strictly a distraction option? It, it's, uh, yes, I do. I, would, I, I mean, would, they're going to play that together, certainly, because yeah. they're going to stress the backside of the defense or an over-aggressive weak okay. side safety or linebacker, certainly. You're all over that. I thought he threw the ball well. Threw the ball. I thought well. it came out of him quick. Yes, uh, I thought. I thought the touchdown, you know, was a simple read. Yeah, uh, but I thought he threw it pretty well. He did. I think the thing I looked at it is just comfort throwing the ball. He changed his arm angle a few times, right, where he went sidearm, side, right. Yep. Did it a little bit of all. He showed the ability to get the ball out of his hand quickly. Moved in the pocket once or twice and made some throws to his right, like a crow route on the run. That was that was money. And those are the things where he's going to be great because anytime he escapes the pocket. Passing lanes are going to become wide open because linebackers are going to just be more worried about him running than anything. Yes. And they're going to abandon their coverage responsibility, and all of a sudden there's going to be a gaping hole. Uh, but yeah, for the most part, I would say this too. Just a, a synopsis of all of it. Was it perfect? No. It was better than the stats would, would claim it would be, right? He was, uh, let's see, four for 10. Well, let me just, I'll say this from this standpoint. The Bears' defense played some coverages that I promise you he's never seen a whole lot in his life and are pretty advanced for a Hall of Fame preseason game number one. Was it really? Yeah, what did you see they out were kind of playing some like three-match and doing some very creative zone coverages where they oh. were passing people and usually off. it's just like a base defense. Usually you get covered two, or it's man-to-man, and then it's just that's it. So... There was a few times where he dropped back to pass, and I know everybody wanted like people to be open and stuff. There was nobody open. Like Baltimore called some pretty, you know, basic offensive schematical yeah, yeah. pass plays, and the Bears' defense was all over it. Vic Fangio, right? So they had he a he, he had a scramble, or he had a throw, or he ended up taking a sack. Yeah. Either way, there were some left tackle issues in there uh, when he was in. But for the most part, yeah, I think you said it. There was things I liked. There was one thing that scared me, and okay. that was his second pass. It was the first third down he had. When he scrambled to the left, no one open. Man, he almost hurt his left knee in his first run of the that game. That guy that came out of nowhere. Yes. And he, he uh, it was a linebacker or something like that. Yeah, something like that. Right? All I know is he came, and he came right at the side of Lamar, and I audibly yelled in my apartment. Yeah. well, I be, was like, he's going to be out for the game, because for the year. It, because it was that close. And I, I want to get to it. I want to just show you it real quick. So you can uh, vouch for it? No, I watched it you live. Did. Okay, yes. but I know it was very close. I went ah. And he like was very close to losing his left knee for the whole year. I mean, Holy his shit. leg went straight. It buckled, yes. and luckily it slid and didn't get caught, and that saved like, him. Like Leonard Fournette, exactly. The same thing. So. Uh, Hayden Hurst. Anybody jump out to you? Hayden Hurst. You know, it looks little, good. Yeah, he looks a little smaller than I thought he was going to be. But. Yeah, he's condensed and muscular. Uh, the thing I looked, uh, you know. 
he ran one route, like a deep cross to with Lamar in in the game at one point, ran a horrible route. Like So there's another instance of like there's a young guy learning. People are going to look at Lamar and go, oh, he missed that guy. I want to go, no, it was a horrible route. There was nobody open, and Lamar had to kind of put it only in one spot where Hayden Hurst kind of maybe right. made a big catch. Um, so all that, the, the interception, yeah. Again, I, those aren't interceptions that I get concerned with, and I go, "Ooh, he really made a bad read or missed Manziel's it." Manziel's interceptions were scary to you, definitely. I mean, Lamar. Talk about that. Real yeah, quick? I will. I'll get to it in a second. But Lamar's was, "Oh, you have you have man to man. You throw to this guy on the backside of the play. He just was a little late doing it, and right. also had a bad route by a receiver as well. It was a very lazy it. route. He just, it was. He, it was a comeback with no coming back. No, exactly. He right. just kind of stopped. He was like a, a little stop route, and Lamar was a little late in throwing it out there. He was a little lazy with his footwork. So both of those All combined. Right. I'm just that. self-scouting. I don't want to be too yeah. much of a Lamar Jackson apologist early yeah. on. But I also think people are, are judging preseason Hall of Fame week one a little hard. But yes. yeah. And you gotta, you know, you realize you're not seeing any of these guys at their top peak right now. Like how many guys did you see in the open field like stumble over their own feet and like oh, fall? Yeah. Because they all have camp legs right now. Their legs What's feel like camp leg? we've been in camp for 17 straight days and my legs are jello as hell. And I go out there every day and feel like, man, I used to run four four, but I feel like I run four nine right now because wow. I'm just exhausted and you're not quite into that shape yet. Johnny Menzel four interceptions. What? Were they were they deflections? Were they bad? How was it in your mind? Well, I mean, the one where he scrambles in the pocket and tries to flip it to the guy that was that on wasn't the guy. his fault. Right? Not that his was fault. the guy. That was a nice little play escape. The other ones are his fault. Fully through that first interception. You you texted me and were like, this is awful. Like, this is beyond bad. That was like, because, uh, again, I don't want to criticize him too harshly. He hasn't played football in a and while. And team stinks. And they do stink. So we do have to take that into account. Yes, but, but he I, threw a pick that was either going to be intercepted by one linebacker, intercepted by the other linebacker, or his wide receiver was going to die. Going to get killed by the safety. Exactly yeah. right. So that that play right there in itself was not only a bad read, it was a bad throw, uh, and it was into close quarters. Like I don't know what he saw there. And the, 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 to end it all, really, with Johnny Menzel, the thing that I'm concerned with about the most is just the way the athlete looked. I'm not going to over-evaluate. That's all I care about with preseason. Exactly right. And apparently Canadian yes, football. Yes, well, league. it's, you know, I just want to see him and what it looks like and the twitchiness that we knew him to have back in the day no that's not quite there and the way the ball came out of his hand and with lack of velocity and lack of spiral those things concern me and I'm not going to say oh I'm done with it or I've made up my mind but that was not a impressive start to me to go ooh yeah he might be the guy we saw in another few weeks when he like right now I question whether he can ever be that guy again I do. I question it. And like I told you, I I just between the stories of him practicing at the was it the AAFL? Was that uh-huh. the, that one? Yes. Where was the one where was that the AAFL? Which one? I get all the damn leagues confused There's now. A lot of I leagues. can't remember. Whatever league he went and practiced yes. for. I, I know from NFL people that it was underwhelming his practices. And yeah, they're between That's why that, he's gotta be there for two years. And there's rumors that he's a cigarette smoker. That's where that's those two things alone that scare me. How many players in the NFL do you think smoke cigarettes? Like, almost none. I mean, like, Jay Cutler was the only guy I knew of in the NFL that smoked cigarettes. The only guy. I mean, I'd never played with anybody that I knew. I mean, and I'm not talking like, listen, did I have guys on the team that were like drunk idiots on a Thursday would, night yeah. that might have smoked a cigarette? But you're yeah, talking sure. about actually buying I'm talking a about pack. guy that's buying packs, right, and is like, this is part of you his life. You didn't know a single one? Not one. So for Johnny Manziel to be reportedly doing that, it's kind of an outlier. I mean, it, it almost is like, to me, is like you might as well hold up a sign and go, I'm not really that serious about this athletic thing. 
I mean, it's that's kind really of what documented at this right. point. Kind yeah. of, kind of serious. Hot take: cigarettes are better for your NFL career. <laughs> that's my new out of Lefko field. Uh, um, <laughs> I just got an alert: Giants ready to pay up for Odell, negotiate to make Odell NFL's highest paid wide receiver, possibly before the start of the regular Ooh, season. Contradicting, yeah, the... that that's from Rappaport, and that's coming out after. Um, Oh, what's her Josina name? Anderson. Josina Anderson reported that the uh, no deal in place, Odell's agent ha- is no longer in town. Both sides working to consummate a deal. The understanding is that Odell was being offered less than Sammy Watkins, less than $16 million a year. Random Watkins. I don't know what that was. <laughs> what was that was coming to America? I just went through my head. What was his name? The it's a little crazy to realize. I don't remember. Right. Uh, the guys that also got paid less than Sammy Watkins. Evans, Landry, Hopkins, Cooks, Robinson, Diggs, Adams, all are getting paid less per year than Sammy Watkins, which is why he's mentioned a lot. Yes. Um, what do you think? Of the, let's do Odell before the Hall of Fame just because that kind of popped up. Right. When you heard that story, the less than $16 million a year. I, that vis that like physically upset me. Yeah, me too. I was like, oh my gosh. I mean, you, we, I didn't know they were that far apart. I, I was, yeah. I, I mean, we think they need to be in the Antonio Brown seventeens. I, I mean, I, I don't. That's yes, at least, at least. I'm, you know, yes. I'm, I'm sorry. I don't know what other way to say. He's better than Antonio Brown, everybody. I'm sorry, and I'm telling you, most people in football think that too. And that's not a disrespect to Antonio Brown. Um, and he's younger. He's faster. He's a little bit bigger. He's every bit as good a route runner. Um, he's had a less creative offense and a lesser quarterback to be to surround him. But either way, yeah. When I first heard that, I was with you. I was like annoyed. I was like, "Are you kidding me?" Nick, I was like, who was sitting here, was like, uh, he's a Giants fan. He was like, "Oh no," because. Throughout this entire Odell contract experience, we haven't really heard numbers. And John Mara has been playing it perfect. Mm -hmm. We're going to handle it. We're going to handle it. We're going to handle it. Odell's played it perfect. I'm showing up. I'm posting things to my Instagram. I'm showing you that I'm working out. And then as this is the really the first time that we've heard a disagreement in numbers. Yeah. And it's the phrase, they're valuing him less than Sammy Watkins. It, it's putting a face to the number. Right. It's not, we're offering him $16 million. We're offering him $15 million, which you go, man, I would do a lot of stuff for $15 million. Right. But anyone can say he's better than Sammy Watkins. No doubt. Yeah. I, I don't know how you couldn't say he's better than everybody. I can understand some people going, no, I think Antonio's better or Julio's better. I can understand that. Other than that, I, I really can't understand the take on you think he's better than Odell Beckham Jr. Um Yes, and to hear that, like Josina Anderson, that, I'm sure that's real. She always has the scoop. I can trust you that. She like, seems to be the player's reporter. That's what I mean. So I wouldn't be shocked if maybe that was the Giants' like initial offer, and somebody in Odell's camp let that uh, out to Josina to go to like. And then, and what's really and funny then the is the Giants saw that and they were like, "Man, yes. that doesn't look good. Hey, that doesn't look good on us." I'm going to take you guys behind the curtain, right? Okay, I started doing this with Schefter earlier. Mm-hmm. Look at which reporters report which news, mm-hmm. Josina. Anderson is a player reporter. So if it's coming from the camp, if Le'Veon Bell needs to say something, I bet you it's coming through Josina exactly Anderson. Right, right. Rappaport, because he's NFL media, this is owners, this is GMs. franchises, GMs. He was all over Gettleman to Carolina early. All I over. mean, Gettleman yes. to the Giants. So, yes. yes, he has a connection there with 
maybe the Gettleman or somebody in the Giants. Yeah. That's... So don't just look at news as fact. Look at news as a representation from the camp they're reporting from. So in the in one corner, in the in the Odell corner, uh-huh. we have Josina Anderson trying to get them to give him more money. Right. In the blue corner, we have Rappaport trying to go. We're gonna take care of them. Right. It's just funny, and and I I really think it's it's important to kind of remember these things so that the next time Rappaport comes out with Odell news, it's coming from the organization. Right. Like it's just good to scope your news like that. I agree. That's how you read between the lines. It's the reason we're able to go. Oh, Fox News, it's coming from one place. CNN, it's coming from another place. Right. NFL is just like that. It is exactly right, like that. And yes, uh, I, I would imagine that that's kind of went went down. That story got out there. Uh, Ian Rappaport probably inquired to go, man, I, you know, is this story true right. with whoever he knows of the Giants? The Giants were probably already in the midst of having conversations going, that doesn't look good. Right. That's going to piss off people in our locker room. That's going to piss off our fan base yes. because they're going to go, what? You're not going to pay him as much as Sammy Watkins. Remember when you told me that they weren't going to include Sammy Watkins? I'm telling you, man. I know. You're right. It's because it's more visceral. I I was trying to explain this. Like, I think what agents need to do when they're holding out, it always becomes player versus franchise. It needs to be player versus GM. It needs to be Odell versus Gettleman. Right. Not Odell versus the Giants. Yeah. My grandma didn't scream and and cheer for Gettleman. She screamed and cheered for the Giants. I know. But the teams are smart, and they make it versus the team. They do. Because people are loyal to the emblem on the helmet yes, and the uniform. and I'm saying redu- deduce the helmet yeah. or put it to another comp that everyone knows you're going to be better than. Right. Do you think he ends up getting more than Sammy Watkins? I do, yes. I think he's going to get paid more than anybody. I don't think there's any way they mm. can deny this. I really don't. Um, and I think Odell's at a point, too, where he knows his worth. I think some of the comments players have made around the league about Odell Beckham Jr. this year have all solidified the fact of how high he's looked upon. I mean, how many defensive players and other receivers have we heard this year go, he's the man, he's the best, blah, blah, blah. So uh, I do think it's going to happen because I think the Giants think that they're a serious Super Bowl contender in the NFC, and I think they know that if this continues to dance on and continue to be a a topic of conversation, that it's going to be a distraction at some point. I'm I'm kind of I just got a little upset. What? Because I want to know if Ian Rappaport was one of the first to report that Odell Beckham substance video. Oh, because I'm thinking about what we were just talking right. about, and right. that means that it might have come from the team. Mm. Yeah, just kind of thinking out yeah, loud. That's fine. Think out loud. You know what I mean? Yes. Like I I think that we're in a world of everyone follows their own things and they have their own streams and your news isn't the same as my news. But there's ways of like kind of infiltrating it to get your message apart. Yeah, I'm just kind of thinking that. Yeah, let's talk about the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Uh, overall, what did you think of the class? I... And their performances? Oh, it was great. Okay. It really was. I, I enjoyed it. I mean, is it a little long, the whole thing? Definitely. I mean, damn, it's long. What about, do you think that T.O. got his own time to shine? No, T.O., T.O., I, I will say that yeah, T.O. fucked up. I, that's what I came away after Saturday going, because I didn't really want to watch the Tennessee Chattanooga thing. I watched it for... It wasn't anywhere to watch no, it. No, and it's not cool. It just wasn't... It had lacked, lacked any uh, energy, spectacle, nothing about it. The, the, when I walked away from it all Saturday night, I said, man, the Hall of Fame would have been amazing if T.O. had this speech 
in between a Dawkins and a Ray Lewis and called out the Hall of Fame there to their faces about their process would have been would have been a way bigger platform to what he said in Chattanooga, which yeah. nobody cares about. He controlled the afternoon night, the afternoon cycle yeah. with some tweets and some posted videos. Right. But what people don't realize is that was going to get cannibalized by the nighttime, right? And it, it he was forgotten very quickly. Yes, he was, and um, yeah, I, I think that he. He's and, trying to prove a point. Yeah, and I, I'm I'm second guessing this because I thought he was kind of I thought it was cool that he was doing this. So I'm not like trying to say you his know, main message was this is for you, right? And then when he talked about the Hall of Fame, he blamed the writers for not upholding the tenets of the right. pro football. See, Hall I just wish he would have said that on ESPN during the the whole Hall of Fame enshrinement. I think it would have hit hard, uh, hit home harder. Did it? Or the fact that he controlled the news narrative for six weeks and every Hall of Famer was talking about him for. For six weeks. Yeah. He kind of owned the whole cycle leading up to it. He did. It just really depends what his goal was. Yeah, you're, you're right. Um, I mean, now... Because the- I'll be honest. You know what he was? I think he did the right move. Because if he had to follow Brian Dawkins, mm-hmm. it would have been just like what happened to Randy Moss. Am I the only one that thinks that Brandy Moss's speech seemed really lackluster after Brian Dawkins? Well, Brian Dawkins had the best speech of the night. I mean, I and don't it was think, all off the top of the head. Uh, well, I, I'm yeah. I mean, Brian Dawkins is just an impressive human being, and it was so natural and emotion based, and yeah, it was just easy for him. It wasn't too scripted. Yes, that's hard to follow up. That I mean, he's amazing. He's an amazing talker. He's got a great life story. And yeah, Moss is, is, that's tough to live up to. Moss isn't that kind of guy to be like that totally. For, for me, it was, I'll just be honest. I sat there and I was, I was celebrating with Brian Dawkins. Yeah. I had a shot poured for the end of his speech. Right. Uh, if I were to tell you that I'd cried, that's like an understatement. I almost cried like nine times. I, and the times when you almost, I did. I mean, every time they showed the family's mom or the, the oh. kids like I, I'm, the, I'm the worst man so really yes you're just a sap I mean my little daughter she just watches me and she's just like are you crying are you crying <laughs> she like loves that loves crying it. but uh but I thought this is me and and look everyone's life is unique and everyone's life is different Brian Dawkins getting up there and talking about how he almost committed suicide and talking about being the lowest of the low and every great thing he's had, he had to endure pain to get there. Every speech is in essence the same. I went through hard times. I didn't get here by myself. These people helped me. I did it. A little bit of shot to the haters, and now I'm in. Like, right. every story is kind of the same. But Dawkins, I felt like, hit all of the peaks so much harder yes. that to hear Randy Moss come afterwards and be like, I went through some stuff, I was like, Brian Dawkins almost killed himself. Yeah. So it was it was weird. Like, I thought Randy Moss's afterwards, like, obviously I love Randy. I thought what Randy did with his tie, honoring uh, so many of the victims that that fell, that were innocent at the hands of, of police officers yeah, that claimed their lives. Injustice, right. I thought that was a great Randy, way to talk about it. Yeah, that was amazing. 4.30, meet me at the town center. That was that awesome. Was amazing. And, and then, then Bill, Bill Belichick, Belichick. Of course it was. Showing up in khakis. And thong sandals. Yeah, well, that's what he wears every day to the office this time of the year. But it, to me, yeah. you're going to be on stage at the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Yes. Can I get like a, a Johnson and Murphy? Negative. Negative. He Can- doesn't give a damn. Him and Rob flew the private plane there and they showed up and did that. 
paid homage to the, uh, Randy Moss, and that was it. So our man uh, Nana hit me up on the uh, Instagram right. DMs, and he said, when Belichick gets inducted, I'm going to be so pissed if they don't make him a gold hoodie. And then halfway through the speech, he cuts the sleeves off <laughs> with Brady going wild and throwing avocado ice cream. I mean, it's uh, the gold, the hoodie thing. I mean, hoodies with snow sleeves is in style now. And that's because of Bill Belichick. Isn't that crazy? I do see a lot of athletes that kind of, they like the hood, but they, do you Ever, think? I have a hoodie with no sleeves. Made of House like, of Highlights. Right here, Bleacher Report. I stole it. They had a box of <laughs> hoodies. I said, damn, they're cool. I'm taking one. I stole it out of the box. You took a House of Highlights? Yeah. yeah Omar. House of Highlights hoodie. Omar, I'm sorry. Omar, Omar deal with it. Yeah, eat, eat that eat crap. Eat that, Omar. Uh, but, you, you young punk. But, yeah, I mean, um... What would I want to say here? I wanted to go, oh, just last thing, like, with the Hall of Fame thing. I, I mean, T.O. has every right to be pissed off. Yes. I mean, he had... He was a first ballot Hall of Fame. Almost 100 more receptions than Randy Moss and 700 yards more receiving and only three less touchdowns. And he, for some reason, was on the third ballot and Randy Moss was on the first one. Yeah. And now the NFL's talking about, oh, you know, you might have to sign a contract to say you're definitely going to be there. You know, come on. That's what they talked about, the rate first and scale. Yeah, first of all, just... Just vote on people to get in the damn Hall of Fame. Stop with these all side storylines. And this has happened one time. Well, here's what I think it is. So let's relax. I heard Chris Carter talking about this on First Things First. And he was talking about how it's the last big speech that you're ever going to give. It's the last time where you're going to be really showered with this much adoration. If I told you that, like, I think about it like this. All these old guys, when their career is over, right? This is the one date on their calendar that they look at their family and they go, don't tell me what we're doing in August that first weekend. You know where I'll be because it's the same thing every year. They get around their guys. They're a legend again. And it's this amazing feeling. And it's probably a little bit when a 21-year-old comes to me and they go, man, I love going out to the clubs. And I look at him and go, nothing good happens at a club. I know it's fun. You're just wasting your money. You're not going to find the woman of your dreams there. And they're looking at me going, man, don't tell me how to live my life. You loser. Right. You square. These old, these old Hall of Famers know that in the end, those moments, that weekend, is really the only thing that matters. Yeah. And T.O. doing this, they're going, in 20 years, 30 years, you're going to realize that you wanted to despair with us. Because in the end, we're the only ones that know what this is like. Yeah, sure. So I think they're coming at it from this pure, like, purity. Like, and they're in. And once they're in, you kind of forget about it. Mm-hmm. T.O. just goes, I've spent my entire career being shit on, yeah. and I'm not ready to give it up yet. By some of you, too. I mean, some of those people in the hall that's and some of the voters. Point. So that's the other problem. People are forgetting that, that some of these, like, Chris Carters and them have personally attacked him over the years. We also, so. he also played in the first era where there was a lot of, not just, like, local news reporters, right. but, like, ESPN debate shows yeah, and all right. that. Like, right. those didn't exist for Jordan. No. You know, yes. like LeBron's experience compared to Jordan's experience is different. T.O.'s experience, like compared imagine if Chris Rice. Carter got kicked off for doing coke exactly. in, 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 in this generation. Right, right. Yes. Yeah, I know. You're right. It'd be a totally different story. It'd be a totally different Back life. It'd be that, a totally set of pure like pressure that you have to deal with. Because of the public scrutiny yes. that's on you. Yeah, I Back know. then, going to Minnesota was like, don't worry, no one's going to bother you in right. Minnesota. Now it's like, no, man, it's all national. Doesn't matter where you go. Yes. All right, last thing that bothers me about the Hall of Fame, 
Dude, one quick thing. Yeah. Uh, I thought uh, the only time I got embarrassed was when the Eagles fans booed uh, Belichick. Belichick yeah. And Robert Kraft looked at him and he's like, are you kidding me? But then I saw Emmett Smith and Michael Irvin up there and apparently they booed Emmett. And there was one clip where Emmett was like, wouldn't stop talking to Irvin. And after our experience, I, I was remember like, him. I was like, talking. dude, Emmett is definitely pissed as shit about Eagles fans. Emmett Smith has a true hatred for Eagles fans. Right. And it's really unsettling. I'm glad the Eagles fans boot everybody. That's what they do. Just stay with what they do. De- deal with it. You, you like that? I, d- I mean, that's what I'm going to take that because I was feeling is. self-conscious. That's all right. That's what you guys do. And it's not, it's out of love for the Eagles and hate of everybody I just feel else. like Eagles fans are always the cousin at the wedding that has too much. And then like during a speech stands up and it's like, that's not what you said last night, Tom. I, yeah, I hear you. But so also, I get a little embarrassed, but they're also amazing. They're also like the only one that's allowed. That's like real in the building too. I would say they're. The Eagles fans were so real that Brian Dawkins forgot to thank the Denver Broncos. (laughs) Like he did. He had to apologize later. But he said, he was like, no, let's talk about them Eagles fans. (laughs) And it was like, and I, I stood up in my house. Yeah, I know. All right, so what was the other thing about the Hall of Fame that you wanted to get off your chest that you didn't like? Oh, uh, I'm, it's not actually about the Hall of Fame. Ray Lewis didn't look like his bust? What? No, I mean, <laughs> that was horrible. That was the worst bust I ever saw. Like, we should right have David Baker Dungeon. on. His family's got to call and be like, that's not even, that's horrible. Randy Moss had the best bust of the night. Yeah, I thought Rose, Dawkins yep. was okay. The weird thing is, is I thought about this. You've never, not only have you not seen Dawkins' hair, yeah. because he always wore a cap, right. but also, like, I felt like his bust needed a visor. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's his identity. I know. Was a black was this? Yeah. You know, a black visor. Yeah, he was scary looking. All right, so I'm I'm cutting you off. No, it's not. You're good. Um, but I get annoyed with the social media stuff with Ray Lewis. I'm so sick of people calling him a murderer and everything. Mm. I can't take it. I really can't. And I think it's so fucking wrong that it so bothers this is, me. This is Sims. Sims will look at a tweet, and then he'll go down and look at some of the comments. I, I know do. you're doing this because every time someone said. Ray Lewis says that he kisses his kids in the mouth. Someone be like, just like he killed people. Exactly. Yeah. Like, I just, it's so ridiculous. And let me just tell you, this is the story I know from the homies, from everybody. This is the story that was always told in the locker room. Ray Lewis didn't kill anybody, okay? Everybody back off that stupid thing. Oh, yeah, the Atlanta Police Department didn't want to, didn't want to accuse a famous black football player of murder, and they just let him go somehow. The jury just let him go. Okay, yeah, right. Okay, the story is this. Somebody got killed in the strip club that night. Most people know who the guy was, right? From everything I've known from urban legends or whatever, from the people in the locker room, this guy stabbed somebody outside the uh, Atlanta strip club that night. And from everything I know is Ray Lewis witnessed it along with other people. And Ray Lewis just basically didn't rat the guy out. And they basically said, oh, we know you were there and you know who it was. Right. You need to tell us. And he said no. And they basically then said, all right, well, then we're going to charge you. Obstruction of justice. Right. And we're going to charge you and go through with this. But the, from everything I know, and maybe I'm wrong. Again, I don't know. But this is a story. This is what you're I, hearing in the NFL. That's all I always heard this. This is I've known this from back in the day, is that this guy that did the stabbing was a stone-cold gangster from South Florida. And he told Ray Lewis. If you wrap me out, I'm going to kill your family and everything. That's always been the story. Mm. That everything. So then Roy Ray just basically had to bite the bullet, didn't rat the guy out, went through the whole jury. But that's always been the story through NFL locker rooms from the second I got in the NFL. How often is it talked about NFL locker well, rooms? Well, I mean, it was it was like every time you play the Ravens with somebody like hope he doesn't kill you. Uh, it's always yeah. I'll play that murderous linebacker today. Or and like then it was what, 
always some, something. Some teammates would go, yeah, that's not some what I heard. Yeah, some stories would come out, right? And you'd start going, no, this is, no, that's not what happened, blah, 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 blah. Somebody would know somebody from South Florida or somebody that played with Ray before or whatever yeah. it was. So every time you play the Ravens, it became like a discussion almost. Yeah, you'd always hear that's little sly comments about that. Definitely. Always. Yes. And that bothers me. Um, I, and Ray is not a murderer a murderer in any capacity. He'd kick your ass on the field, but he's a pretty damn good guy off of it. Yeah. Uh, do, do you kiss your son on the mouth? You know, I do a little from time to time. Do you ever kiss your dad on the mouth? No, never. Never, never have in my life. I mean, my dad only, he first time he told me I love me, he loved me. I was like 32. I'm so. more of like a handshake, hug type of love. I, yeah, yeah. Uh, but my little but boy. But this Tom Brady, Ray Lewis, like there's like this generation of mouth kissing dads that I'm not. I, yeah, no, it's do weird. Do I have to do that? No, you don't. I, I like, Do you want to do it sometimes? It's not even like it just happens at times where like I'm kissing his cheeks and and then I might like get the edge of his lip or whatever or something like that. But you know he's seven, yeah, and he's he's always going to be seven to me. I think that's what happens is he's going to be twenty seven. I'm still going to see the seven year old. I'm going to kiss you on the cheeks and do all this shit that I used to do with you. It doesn't change, and I'm sure I thought that my kids laughed at that part. Because the kids like because no. they were you know yeah macho teenagers or college kids like, uh, no he doesn't do that because you know they're getting roasted at school today no you go and kiss <laughs> yeah. your dad kiss your dad on the lips again uh, that's <laughs> that, that was funny all right so a bunch of news uh, the Patriots just cut Malcolm Mitchell wow yeah yeah well they were trying to trade him that makes sense and He's they got just signed Eric issues, Decker so they're scared of him right uh, Browns trade Corey Coleman to the Bills mm. for a seventh round pick yeah in essence. A throwaway yeah. uh, for a former first-round pick. Uh, and all of a sudden, Josh Gordon's not at camp. Some people are saying it's because he doesn't want to be on hard knocks. Corey Coleman's now gone. And Jarvis Landry's the only one left of the trio that he said is maybe the or he said is the best wide-receiving core in the NFL. And I want an apology for him. I want uh, those crying emojis he sent to that Instagram. So when you said that Cleveland wasn't a top five receiving trio, yeah. and then he wrote crying emojis, you'd like Jarvis Landry to an issue an apology. I want the yellow circle thinking face. Thinking face that says, I'm sorry, Chris Sims, you're pretty good. The thinking face does not mean <laughs> that. Thinking face is when somebody like tweets or texts something that's questionable. Right. You're kind of like, uh, yeah, you're right. You I would know. need like the like the prayer hands, okay. maybe. Or, or, or like a or, face down. Or the sad. guy that does yes. this. Like, Hands you're up. right. I'm sorry. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Yeah. Uh, I mean, so I look at the receiving core. It's Jarvis Landry. Josh Gordon, I think, is going to play. Yeah. I, 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 I it seems know. they're sticking to that. And then it's Rashad, Rashard Higgins, Jeff Janis, and a lot of people are talking very highly about Antonio Callaway. Mm-hmm. Is that kid from Florida? Yeah. He's super talented. I mean, he would have been probably one of the top 40 players picked in the draft this year if he didn't have the the off-the-field issues. And that was, like, um, one of the first things I thought of, that they must be liking what they see out of him. Okay. That he can do that. Now, I still look at it and go, wow, that's an unproven roster at wide receiver. I know they like the Higgins kid. Jarvis Landry certainly can do everything. Um, and maybe Jeff Jeff, Jeff Janis is is performing just at a higher level than we thought. Just all those years in Green Bay, I'm just not gonna. I know. I feel like Jeff it. Janis is just like in Green Bay, one of those guys that's a whoa big off season guy yep. where he has the physical tools, he can run, he can jump, and then something happens in the game where he drops a lot of balls. That's what right. I've always read about him in Green Bay. Right. And we'll see if this is different. 
But I know. So you think you think it might be an Antonio Callaway type? I, of thing. I would think that he'd be the guy there. And yeah, I think that it showed me that they probably have confidence that Josh Gordon will be back at some point. Because yeah, to lose Ricardo Lewis too, I know it's that's, turned into a very shallow position. Yes. Now they do have some decent tight end play, and they do have some uh, running backs that can catch the ball out of the backfield too. That can make that's up what for we're that. forgetting. We always forget. I, okay, that, so I know? forgot to bring this up last episode. Right. Duke Johnson has been going to Hugh Jackson and saying, "Play me at wide receiver." Right. Like he's trying to be a position change. Yeah. I was going out of left go field and going, this is about running backs not getting a lot of money. He's a playmaker, blah, blah, blah. He genuinely wants to be a wide receiver. He actually wants to play defense, hmm. but he will take wide receiver was the article that I read about him. That's, I didn't know that about the defensive side. Um but yeah, I so guess, you got. I guess we do count Duke Johnson as a wide receiver. I, I mean, I think so. Then it's it's Landry, Gordon, Duke Johnson. That's what I mean. That's like when people go to like New England. They always talk Joker. about New England. Oh, they're receivers or whatever. I go well. They got some good receivers and they got two good tight ends. And yes. don't forget James White, James White caught like eleven balls, right. fourteen and they balls. They got Rex the Burkhead, who's literally played a game in the NFL for the Bengals, where he as played wide, wide receiver. receiver the whole game. Right. So we always forget that. I, me included. I always go, oh, they're wide receiver court, and I go, oh, it did. They have those two. Two other pass catchers that yeah. they can line up as a slot receiver 30 times a game and it really don't miss a beat. Look at the Colts. Oh, their wide receivers aren't that good. Okay. But they just signed Ebron, so it's Ebron and Jack Doyle. Right. They're gonna have two tight ends on the field all the time. Exactly right. Yeah. Yes. It's positionless offensive football playmaker type of stuff. And this is what I always hate about training camp too, because there uh, yeah, there's probably another guy or two on the wide receiving core in in Cleveland who's doing really well that's gave them the confidence to do this. And we don't know about it. So that just is what it is. Damian Ratley. Corey Coleman, though, that's cool for him. Um, I do think he has potential. I mean, I always thought he did. He just hasn't been able to stay healthy. Uh, he, he can really go. Always thought that coming out of Baylor. And... I think it's in a good. He's in a good spot. I mean, you talk about another team that's an underwhelming receiving core. Oh, the Bills. I mean, yeah, okay. They got Jeremy Curley. Okay, all right. Yep. I mean, he's getting up there in age. You know, you got guys like Rod Streeter, Andre Holmes, kind of like career journeymen who have never done anything. Yeah. Zay Jones, the second round pick last year, who was a little bit underwhelming, and then you got Kelvin Benjamin who's been hurt a lot through his career and has always had a bad knee. So what are you going to depend on him? So The other thing I think about is this. Yeah. What can Josh Allen do? Throw, Throw the ball, the ball deep. really far. No doubt about Who it. Who was the receiver that was going to outrun There's people on nobody. that roster? You're exactly right. And, and even to further that point, because you're exactly right, there's nobody that stresses the defense that way. Also, I'd go... Who's really like the legit jitterbug Julian? This is the New mm. England offense they're running. Brian Dayball is the OC there. No, it's a lot of bigger leaper that's guys. That's what I mean. So who's going to be that guy to do those little jerk and, option and, routes? And, and, I, everyone, and that's where Corey Coleman, I think, will come into all play. All the reports I'm seeing about Corey Coleman are maybe he's just a slot, which is like an insult. But in today's NFL, I mean, uh, being a slot is, receiver, is awesome. not, not only is it a great to have, it's such a better value for an NFL team. Because mm-hmm. when you have a slot guy, you don't have to pay him as much. No, exactly because right. we haven't come to the grips yet that maybe that's more important. The percentage of passes completed inside is so much greater than the passes on the outside, but yet we're still trying to stretch the field. Yeah. Where maybe if offensive coordinators ran more dynamic play calls with motions and cleared out space and had levels concepts yeah. on the yeah. time but no we're still no we got to spread them out further you don't have to spread them out further not at all 
I mean, look at the Patriots' pop passes. Look at, uh, exactly. Look at Atlanta two years ago with Kyle Shanahan. What'd they do? They lined up an I formation. Julio Jones got really close, and they said, we're going to run it this way, and if that backside guy gets too greedy, we're yes. going to throw a slant right behind you. It's like a four-foot throw. If anything, tell me if I'm wrong, yeah. spreading out, if anything, helps the defense more. I, I mean, in a lot because of ways Because when you're trying to defend a bunch— and then they all go to different areas. Exactly right. I think that's harder than going coming across. No doubt about it. You, it's there's there's less you can do when you're spread out in yes. some of those stationary positions. There's less crosses, picks, things like that that you just can't do with like you're saying with bunches and stacks and things like yeah. that. You can have different releases that confuse people. You can stress people's rules out different ways. Um, so yeah, I would think that's a big part of what they're missing in that offense. There, I will give credit yeah. to B. Who I believe is the GM right. up there Brandon, in Buffalo. Yeah. They, these first two years, have spent zero time waiting with what they're going to do. Mm-hmm. When they think they need to make a move, they make a move. They do. They moved up for the quarterback. They got rid of all their receivers last year. Remember, they got rid of all their cornerbacks and they, they drafted guys, Tredavious White, that have panned out that look really good. Yep. And they're they're just not afraid to pull the trigger. No, they have a vision of what Especially they want. Especially after Doug Whaley, where all he did, I feel like he had a gun in a case and said, one day I'll pull that trigger. Yeah. I, but until then, let's trot out EJ Manuel one more time. You know what I mean? Like, yes. I'm, I'm happy they have a direction. Yes, they I don't think they're going to do. be that good this year. No, I, I think like, um, yeah, they're they're one of the teams I look at to not go back to the playoffs. No. Like them, the, the fact that no one's talking about their offensive line and the fact they've lost Cordy Glenn at left tackle and Eric Wood at center and and incognito and Lashawn McCoy has his issues. Like, and, I'm just talking about the offensive line. Yeah, right. Fuck all these free agent wide receivers. If your offensive line loses three out of five and two of the three were like pro bowlers, yep. you're probably going to take a step back. Yes. Like I look at the I look at the Panthers. Mm-hmm. They lose Norwell. Then they just lost one of their tackles. Darrell Williams. They're going to take a step back this year. I, exactly right. That's right. Buffalo, Carolina, and I think the Kansas City Chiefs. If you made me pick Did three teams. they lose teams, offensive linemen? No, I'm just saying those are three teams I don't think will be back in the playoffs. Like I think the Kansas City Chiefs mm-hmm. are going to be more exciting to watch. Yeah, you're going to need Patrick Mahomes to play out of his mind. He's going to have to play out of his mind. I still think there's defensive issues there. People are forgetting all the defensive guys that are gone from Kansas City. Eric Berry's coming back from an Achilles. Marcus Peters is gone. Right. D. Ford has never been anything to this point. Justin Houston's been very average the last few years. Nothing special. Yeah, sir. Who's that? Derek Johnson's gone. Right. Ron Parker's gone. So you start to look and you go, damn, who's that defense? That defense wasn't that good to begin with. So now we got to mix and match some people we don't even really know or not household names to this point. So, yeah, I look at that alone along with the fact that the AFC West is better in general, mm. and you're starting a rookie quarterback to where, yeah, Kansas City, I think, is going to be a team that maybe just misses out. Yeah, I like that. Uh, speaking of, we were talking before just about, oh, well, let's do Calvin Benjamin. Why we're on the subject. His comments about Cam Newton. I mean, I feel like I would have been even more successful if, I don't know, man, looking back on it, I should have just been drafted by somebody else, which is a crazy thing to say. Mm-hmm. You don't control that. Plus, you were a reach, if anything. Like, they made you a first-round pick. Yep. Uh, I should have never went to Carolina. Truly, I think they were bad for me. If you would have put me with any other quarterback, let's be real. You know what I'm saying? Any other accurate quarterback like Rodgers or Eli or Big Ben, anybody, quarterbacks with knowledge that know how to place a ball and give you a better chance to catch the ball, it just felt like I wasn't in that position. Two things. One, it shows you that the NFL still doesn't understand that Eli Manning hasn't been good for three years. Yeah. So that's funny. Right. Two, the team went 15-1 and one 
and went to the Super Bowl while you were out for without him. That's that's where he's like. That's where I just look at the argument and go like, what? How can you even make this argument? They were better, and the guy won. The guy you're talking about won the MVP when you didn't play. Yes, and when you did play, they struggled. And I'm not. It's not. There's really no correlation. You know what, they, you know what the Panthers but, always did with Kelvin Benjamin in those sets? What they put him out wide. Yeah, and there's no doubt. You That's what, what I mean? they were. So, so for one, I want to go, you know, listen, I know Cam Newton's like numbers and everything in the world aren't always perfect. I, I, I understand that. Um, but I would also say, man, Cam Newton's, the way he plays fits Kelvin Benjamin. I mean, Kelvin Benjamin, somebody show me yards after catch. Show me a highlight. He only had one highlight in college where I, this is my complaint about right. him. He's a back shoulder jump ball type of thrower that you split out wide because he can't run some of the you know change of direction shorter type routes because he's so big. Of course, those guys always have trouble with him, let alone he has a faulty knee that makes him less able to cut hard on those shorter change of direction routes. So there's obviously some type of issue that he had with Cam Newton. I don't know what happened or where that went, um, but there has to be something there. It's it's the only thing I can look at. Cam I'm, Newton's stats are never going to be great in that offense. just not the way they are. I mean, it's just not the way they played football. Yeah, I think, if anything, Kelvin Benjamin, the problem that he has in this league right now is you need to stack him out wide because since there's no threat of going deep, he's a liability for a running game yeah. because you can cheat on him all the time and put an extra man in the box. I think that he actually can kind of stagnate an offense sometimes because there is no other gear. No. he's He is the opposite of versatile. Yes. He is one note. Go and throw back shoulder or throw it high. Pretty much. And I think that that Carolina offense last year after the trade kind of opened up a little bit. It, Christian yeah. McCaffrey had some more running lanes. Mm-hmm. Uh, their problem was they just didn't have any other wide receivers to, to play those positions. But DJ Moore looks like he could be that guy. Yes. All the clips I'm seeing looks like he could be special. He can be a superstar. Uh, I mean... I just worry because you like Corey Coleman too. Yeah, well, hey, I'm going to miss on some. That's the way they go. And we'll see. I, I still hold hope for Corey Coleman because I do see the explosion still there. And if that's there. Yes. Um, but, man, my man, DJ Moore. Judy's flashing. Yeah. He was, Every he was day another, I get a clip. He, he, was, he was the closest thing I saw to, like, a Percy Harvin uh, coming out in a while. So that guy where he can, he can take a speed sweep and turn it up and go 70, or he can run by in for a 70-yard bomb or catch a slant route and make people miss and run for a 70-yard touchdown. Kyle Shanahan, Uh-oh, our, our favorite, favorite coach. coach in the NFL, uh, had a pretty cool quote. We were talking earlier about bunch formations. You were talking about Kyle's offense. And he says that, I really want my players to overcome coaching. Mm-hmm. And this was uh, the quote that he said. Uh, so let me just make sure I got some audio yeah, on my computer. Trying to tell a player, don't be a robot. It's a nice way of trying to tell a player, don't be a robot. Um, you know, coach, that's what you told me to do. Well, yeah, I, I drew it on paper versus cover three, and you got cover two. Like, it's not the exact same. You got to, now you got to do this. Sometimes you got to overcome coaching. I, I apologize for not covering it calling it versus the right coverage um, but when you don't um, now you got to overcome my mistake or that I'm not as good as you so please help us out it's just a nicer way to me of saying hey don't be a robot and 
And he goes on to say, if you're facing zone, there's one thing like I he, and he had this great line where he goes on the whiteboard. It's five yards straight line and then a 45 degree angle. He goes, but that's not how it works. No, but the thing you get jammed to the line of scrimmage and all of a sudden you go, damn, I'm a step slow. I got to cut it off at four yards and then get there. Exactly. Those are things like that. But what I loved about it was I've never heard a coach say, I apologize, one, and number two, make up for my mistake. I've never heard a coach say that they've made a mistake before. Yeah. yeah. That's the difference. And the, the other thing I thought about was he's such a, fo- a former wide receiver. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. and that, and that yeah. I think, look, I, that was my out of left go field about McVeigh. Um, Kyle yeah. and Josh McDaniels right. is they were all former wide receivers right. and they all have the best wide receiver concepts yeah. for offensive coordinators. Yeah. But have you talked to him about overcoming coaching before? Well, I've just never heard a coach say yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I definitely have. It's something that's talked about a lot and I'm going to get into something a little New Englandy too there okay. about that. But like, yeah, first of all, that, that jumped off to me too. Kyle expects to call the play against the defense he thinks you're going to play. I mean, that's how, how highly he thinks of himself and his study and he demands that of himself to go no i think they're going to run this coverage that's why i called this play and but if i didn't he literally puts out formations to draw a certain type of coverage because he knows the tendencies of the exactly right if he's in and he goes oh i motioned the guy over here then they go to this coverage and he's he's all over that's why he is great at what he's playing chess it is he's playing chess um yes you have to be able to adjust on the fly and i think um the other point where i was going to go with there is just patriot yeah the patriot like New England, this has always jumped out to me about Belichick and even my time with McDaniels. They didn't want the coaches to overcoach, especially on the field, right? Like, oh, things are messed up. Let's not stop practice because the secondary is talking to themselves and they can't figure out the call. No, let them fuck up the call. And we'll teach them when we watch it in the meeting room. Mm. They got to learn to fix these things on the fly. Just like, so there's not being a robot was my point. Otherwise, you can't coach them during the game like that. What would be crazy is how many times in my career teams go, Blow the whistle. Stop it. Let's make sure we get all on the same page. No, these are teaching moments, right? So it's not if always going to be If I always perfect. tell you the right answer, you'll never learn why you're wrong. Exactly. Yeah. And Bill would – that's where I always took away from New England, too. Bill made practice hard. Like, I w- with John Gruden – the offense was scripted to look good every day. Oh, our quarterback completed nine out of every ten passes, and you know the offense looked great, and I called plays that were great. And but yet he also told the defense to be in certain coverages for those plays. That's what they would do. And it used to drive Damn. Derek Brooks crazy. Go, oh, here we go, scripting for success. We would never play this coverage against this formation. He used to yell the shit like that. And I'd be like, damn, okay, well, yeah, why are we calling this play? But John wanted to work it, whatever. He had his yeah. rhymes or his reasons. But the one thing I always took away from New England is, no, we, we're not here to like make everybody feel warm and cozy every day after practice. Situational football. Or going through struggles for a certain period of practice. It, it's going to happen during a quarter of a game. Yeah. You know, we played great in the first and second quarter. The third quarter, we laid an egg, and then we had to regather ourselves to come out and play strong in the fourth. And it's crazy how little things like that can go such a long simple. way. I know. I know. See, I started watching um, uh, Last Chance U season three, yeah. which it gave me so much anxiety. I got through like two and a half episodes. It's like if a bag man at a major university conned a university that while he was like the assistant D line coach, or like he could be the head coach. Right. And it's it's crazy that you know practice. He's just yelling, and that first game they start to just get like 
absolutely destroyed. And he's looking, he's just going, figure it out, figure it out. You guys got to figure it out. And you guys, you need to figure it out. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like, you're the worst coach of all time. But I think about what you're saying and, and how Belichick works with like situational, co- like situational coaching. His team is prepared for every moment. Right. There's nothing they're not prepared for, yeah. except for apparently a pass to the quarterback. <laughs> Philly, Philly. Philly, Philly. Which is amazing. But no, that's why you even see, like, you've seen Bill in the game, right? He's watching the game, something happens, and he just he picks up his little notepad and he goes, Yes. Right? Because, like, there's yell- never a reaction. Yelling at the players at that point after a week of preparation and letting them know they just, you know, fucked up a 60 yard play. They know they fucked they up. They already know they did. They're already beating themselves up. Belichick's not going to go over there and go, hey, idiot, you screwed that one up really bad. I mean, you always know when Bill's a little panicked. The only time I know when Bill's a little panicked is when he starts to go over to the defensive bench and he gets on the whiteboard real quick. Then I go, oh, here's something like truly schematically that he wants to reinforce with the players one more time because he didn't like the way it looked. That's when I know, okay, Bill's a little stressed about something. Other than that, he's gonna he's trusting his coaching. I would say this to everybody out there too. Uh, stress is a very interesting way to find out who you're really with. Mm-hmm. So your relationship, your friends, all that stuff. I'm, I'm thinking about Belichick and the way he handles stress. I love this story. Uh, this guy's name is Walt Bettinger. He's a CEO of Charles Schwab. Okay. When he takes out a candidate to interview, he believes that the most important thing for any company is personnel. I think you could say that about football, too. Sure. But when you're the CEO... You're not going to get time to like vet these people, like interview them a lot. So he gets one chance and he does the same thing. He takes them to breakfast and he has the restaurant, which he goes to all the time, purposely mess up their order because he wants to see how they're going to handle it. Are they going to be, you know what? It's fine. I'll just eat it. It's not a big deal. Are they going to, do you know who I'm here with? He looks the way they handle stress, even that little stress. Yeah. But think about it. If you're at a restaurant and they messed up your food, yeah. it's going to make you feel a certain type of way, especially if you're nervous. Yeah. That's the way he tests people. Right. And I, I think that the way NFL coaches or NFL players handle stress, you said this on Dan Patrick last week. I thought it was great. Yeah. When you see Aaron Rodgers or Cam Newton, they're smiling. They're not smiling because it's a different game. They're smiling because they're so prepared and they're so much better than everybody else that it is easy. When you look at the linebacker and he's yelling and he's – that guy probably isn't ready. Yeah, he's stressed. He's stressed out and he's probably not handling it right. Ray Lewis – You've always said singing and dancing. Singing and dancing. Ed Reed, singing and dancing. They weren't worried about Larry the Fitzgerald thing. before right. after the play. Yeah. I'm focused. Yeah. I, he's not stressing. No. He's not, not asking all. questions. Not at all. Tennessee Titans, playoff game against the Patriots. Right. What were they doing between plays? Freaking the fuck out. Remember that? Yes. Yelling at each other. Yes. I don't know what to do. Tom Brady's going, I got you. Yeah. I right. got you. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Look at look at guys in between snaps, and you'll learn a lot about your own football. You're team. exactly right. You will. You'll you'll know where they are and how secure they are in themselves, their own abilities. But yes, I mean, you, you said it. I mean, yeah, Aaron Rodgers isn't out there like just giggling for nothing. He's giggling because he's like, "Damn, this is fun. They're paying me a million dollars to go out here and carve somebody up today, and they're gonna do it again. And I'm awesome at it, and nobody can catch me, and I can throw this damn ball through any hole in this damn it's stadium. Unreal. And yeah, that's why they. I feel like that, you know, Ray. Yeah, like you said, Ray dancing over the ball. I'll never forget that. It's oh. full, 
football? Did he doing a little shimmy with it? And then and all, all of a sudden, all the thinking you were supposed to be doing, now you're just I'm listening. Thinking, oh, no, more I'm looking at my offensive linemen who are going, Safety. they're looking at him going, damn, he's not stressed at all, and they're getting more nervous. Mm. That's what I, I remember looking at guys like Kenyatta Walker and John Wade and them going like, they were like, <sighs> he's crazy, huh? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, he is. You're screwed. Protect me. Uh, speaking of the Titans, uh, Cyprian goes down out ah, for the year. Yeah. Um, they they sign Kenny Vaccaro. Mm-hmm. Is that an even swap? Does it change the kind of because I always thought Cyprian was he physical? Physical, yeah. And I don't really see that with Kenny Vaccaro. No, Kenny is uh, a little bit of a tweener, like a coverage. Certainly not afraid to throw his body around. Uh, you know, listen, I think Kenny Vaccaro is a little bit better than the the world and the NFL thinks. I think he was put in some very tough positions in that Saints defense yeah. that I don't think were realistic to ask him to do what he did. Yeah, Gruden kind of eviscerated him one time during a Monday Night Football yes, game. Yes, right, because Sean Payton's his buddy, so he was going to do that for Sean. No. Um, but the, the the other thing, too, that's interesting about that whole conversation is Eric Reed's better than Kenny Vaccaro. Did you hear that apparently they, he, the, the flight was messed up and that's why they just signed Kenny Vaccaro? I, well, he was up here, you know that, which he was here in Jersey. Eric Reed? Yes. And we did have a lot of thunderstorms this weekend. So when I first saw that, I was like, what do you mean? Are they saying he canceled out of the flights? Or were they, and it sounds like it was weather cancellations. Right. And we did. We had some serious thunderstorms here. We did. So maybe that's what really happened. Either way, I don't think Eric Reed in Tennessee is a good fit. Just because I don't think it's the climate for his social stands that's going to yeah. be beneficial to him at the end if, of the day. If you're going to get a safety hurt, this is the offseason to do it because there's so many out there. Mike Mitchell's still out there. Yes. Eric Reed's still out right. there. Um, and there's a number of other guys that there are still is. out there. TJ Ward is TJ still out Ward there. TJ Ward is still out there. Like good football players. Mm-hmm. But I just, you know, the Titans are a team that I'm high on, yeah. so I wasn't sure if it's Bayard and Vaccaro back there, it seems like it's a little more free-ranging, where if it was Reed and and uh, Bayard, Bayard yeah. Reed could kind of play inside a little bit more, yeah, but yeah, it'll be interesting. It will be. It's not going to make me think a whole lot different of their defense. Okay, Sip is just what you heard. Uh, you know, I think everybody heard. Um, when I was working for New England, he was coming out of was he Florida Atlantic or Florida International? I can't remember. It's one of the two. But when I was working in New England. I know our area scouts and John Robinson, FIU, who FIU, John Robinson, who's the GM there now. Loved Cyprian. I mean, mm. loved him. Loved the guy. Was that the guy that Gronk threw out the club? Ooh, I don't think so. No. Mm. May, I don't know. You're right. I'm not sure. It might have been. But Cyprian's the guy that knocked out Kelsey in the wild card game. He can bring yes. it, remember? Right? And uh, he, you could tell Sergio he was loved Brown. by his team. Sergio Sorry. Brown. That's right. That's right. Um, oh, no. Cyprian's hit on Kelsey was the, the game changer. Game changer. When that happened, mm-hmm. it completely deduced their offense. And then Mariota caught a pass to himself, and it was yep. game on. Yeah. Uh, speaking of, we got two contract things going on right now. Aaron Donald is so willing to hold out that, man, Lefko's looking like a genius in this one, that a lot of players need to report by Tuesday. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because if you don't report by Tuesday, then you're a restricted free agent next year instead of an a, like a, a un, uh, UFA, yes. whatever that is. But Aaron Donald doesn't care. Aaron Donald says, I'm holding out. Yeah. This is going to go forever. It could go. I mean, for in his case, he can do this, right? Because yeah, we he talks about he can come the week. He before. doesn't expect, and he doesn't expect to ever be on another team with the Rams. Right now, right. he's going. I'm going to be with the Rams forever. So, so who cares about my free agent year? Right. right? That's what he's at least hoping. And yeah, I think Josh Gordon 
That's a different thing. Yeah. Right. And I was not aware of this rule, which, first of all, the first thing I said was, holy crap, the next CBA, this has to be changed because that's stupid. I mean, are you kidding me? Here we go. They already have a fifth-year option, which is stupid to begin with. And now you're telling me they can't hold out a camp to dispute that fifth-year option when they are far exceeded the money and, and the value of that fifth-year option? I mean, that's just stupid. It's another, like... You know, the owners got one on the over on the players again. It's just I can't even believe that. that. It's so stupid. But yeah, Aaron Donald, stay stay there all day, man. If they don't make you the highest paid defensive player in football, there's something wrong. The other one is Earl Thomas, who pretty much said uh, in his statements, "Look, I took a deal last time to help out the Legion of Boom because I wanted to stay together, and after I watched Richard Sherman tear his Achilles and see them just cut him like that, it's kind of hit me in the face that I need to take care of business, and if you guys only see me for one year, then trade me to an organization that sees me for a long time Mm -hmm. because I still think I have time to play. Yeah, Earl ain't going away. I think Earl and Aaron Donald, I think they're both holding out if they don't get a deal. Khalil Mack, his camp has been so quiet that I don't even know where to put it. But Earl Thomas, I I, I think there's a 0% chance he's playing with the Seahawks next year if they don't get a deal. I, I feel that way about both of those guys. I feel I, Aaron Donald and Mack are in different situations because they're still in that first deal. So I still have confidence that's going to get done. Yes, I think they're going to hold strong, but I do think that the organizations themselves are going to go, we see the value in it. That's the issue with Seattle and Earl Thomas. Like, what's, what's the value for Seattle? Tell me. There is none. Right. So Seattle. They're, they're, they're caught in a tough spot because the value is not alienating a fan base. Yeah, okay. They've been trying to say, this is not a rebuild. Mm-hmm. If every member of the Legion of Boom is gone, yeah. you can't argue that anymore. Mm-hmm. It's still Russ. Do you like Russell Wilson? Yeah, right. Oh, not as much as the Legion of Boom? Right. So they're they're messing with legacy. They're messing with fanhood. You know, they're on the opposite side. Yeah. Where here's a player that's fighting, that's fighting the logo, yeah. but he actually means more to them than the logo yeah, does. Yeah, you're right. He's right up there with it. There's no doubt. Because if you think about it, what did our friend Amir always say, who's a Niners fan, when we went to Seattle training camp? It was like a year or two after they won the Super Bowl. And our friend Amir would walk down and he'd go, look at all these Fairweather fans. Look, all the jerseys are still new. The tags are still on these jerseys. He was right, though. A lot of those fans, and I'm not questioning Seattle fans, but the Legion of Boom is what ushered in this new generation. Yeah, brought it to a new level. Earl, did, did. Earl might mean more to a lot of people. Earl's, I mean, he's, listen, he's certainly one of the most important players in franchise history. I don't think he has anything to stand on here. Yeah. That's where I think it's it's different than the other situations. Earl, Earl two years ago, broke his leg and talked about retiring. Earl is a smaller type of safety as as is anyways. So, and he's making $10 million, which makes him top six in football at the safety business, really top five because Cam Chancellor's not playing. And I he's think part he of just wants list. multiple year security. Which I, which I get that. But I, I just think Seattle's at the point right now, but they're not going to do that. How could Seattle do that? And also, like, during a regular right. season game, he goes to Dallas and says, come get me. Exactly right. So yeah. this is where... I, this is where They're in a no-win situation. They are. And I, I don't want Earl to lose money, so I hope at some point he does get back and just approaches it the right way before he gets gets on the field. But I, I just think Seattle's proven that they're not willing... They will buckle. They've proven it through this. I mean, Cam Chancellor, he held out a few years ago. He didn't get crap. No, he didn't. Remember, not. he missed two games, and they weren't good on defense, and he came back in week three. So, 
Uh, I, I don't think that this group of Schneider, Carroll, the owner, I don't think they're afraid to do this because I think they know that they have a new game plan in Seattle and they're moving forward. They held out for so long and then they cashed in all those guys and I think they immediately regretted yeah, it because right. they weren't able to get depth. Right. One other thing about Kyle, mm-hmm. um, so uh, I can't remember what reporter it was, but asked 20 coaches, at the, I think it was the MMQB, asked 20 coaches at the Combine which offensive schemes they're going to study for 2018. Every coach named two teams and only two teams. So Kyle and the Rams. Niners and the Rams. Right. That's it. Yeah. So no one's looking at like the the, the RPOs, nope. no. the Eagles, every team, Niners and Rams. Yeah. I mean, that's, of course, they're going to be, you know, I would say Sean Payton, I'm sure he was in there a lot, but people, I feel like they the, kind of get it. They now. know it already a little bit. The interesting thing is about what I find in the NFL more than anything is nobody gets New England's offense. Nobody. They don't get it because there's been very few people. There's not a lot of people in the NFL that run it. They don't understand the rule. They don't even know what they don't know. That's what I find with a lot of my offensive friends around the NFL a lot of times. They're just the, the New England offense is a little bit of a mystery, and it's a little harder in the knowledge of the offense. That's why I think you've seen Josh McDaniels go to places like Denver and not explode offensively right now, right away, or the St. Louis Rams, because it is such a detailed, intricate offense that you need a year or two of guys to be in it before it can really show its true colors. Is Deshaun Watson running that? Yeah, he is at a basic at a basic level though. Like Billy O'Brien's version of the New England offense is not the, not same, the same as Josh McDaniels. No. Josh Does and Bill Josh are- McDaniels have a savant underneath him. Does he have a wide receivers coach like Sean McVay was back in the day or Kyle Shanahan was? Chad O'Shea was the guy that was rumored to be the offensive coordinator if he left town. He's the wide receiver coach. Yes. Is he still there? He's still there. Chad O is an amazing coach. Okay. Amazing. Hold on, hold on. I like to invest in people before they come big. Right. Stocks and bonds. Yeah. So Chad O'Shea... Yeah. Is the next guy Chad O'Shea? What about him? Brian Flores on that staff, and he's a defensive linebackers coach. They're next in my mind, certainly. Yeah, but Chad O'Shea, tell me about him. When did you know that he was different? Well, I mean, just because of his daily energy. First of all, it's just the person I want to evaluate first, right? And the the person's the same every day with great intensity and daily energy, and then to be able to command a wide receiver room. Wide receiver room is a tough job. I mean, a lot of times NFL coaches are are really picked to coach the wide receiving room because they're better at handling you know the interactions with people mm. more than actually teaching the x's and o's mm. because they're a d it's a diva position it's right. personalities and they all want the ball chatty o'shea has a great blend of being able to do that but also being a tough ass he's an extension of josh to a degree that's awesome yes i mean he's and he's been there and knows the way things are supposed to be done do you but think josh is le- crazy man josh locks himself in a room like on Monday, when he gets done, like, okay, we're done with the, the previous day's game, and we've evaluated that. Josh will lock his ass in a room and forget it. Like, you're not going to see Josh for six hours, and then all of a sudden he's going to come out, like, hot off the press, and you're going to be like, what? And he's going to be like, I got 100 new plays. And you're going to be like, what? Wait, so he'll go and in. And you're so like, this is like the afternoon. And he's like, I got a migraine too. And I'm like, of course you do. <laughs> does anyone, like, everyone knows that he does it? They just, like, let him do his thing? Yes. So he locks himself in a room. And is he looking at the next opponent's team? Yeah, he's going in all in already on the next opponent. And so he's, he's not a guy that has his plays. He's going to look at the opponent and go, let me find their weakness. Let me lock myself in a room for six hours, find their weakness, and come up with like a hundred new plays just to attack them. Yeah. 
So you could come, he could come leave that room with zero plays from the week before. Yeah, definitely. It could be a whole, like, you're going to have some basic carryovers always in a, like, a basic game plan. But yes, he's going to come out with a whole new plan of attack, of formations and personnel sets that he thinks gives them an advantage. How uncommon is that? Uh, I think New England goes to a greater extent of doing that than anybody else with the mixing, matching of personnel, formations, and overall changing of schematics on a week to week basis. Nobody's on New England's level when it comes to that. Would he come out and go, this play is going to be deadly? Like, would, would he, like, even, like, would it be organized? He'd come out hot and, like, feeling good. And ha- when he came out hot, what usually happened the next week? Man, I felt like we tore Pete off every week. So <laughs> it was always good. I mean, it was always good. Uh, you Did know, he ever come out kind of like, I don't know? I, I The week that always... I will remind me of any like insecurity in New England ever was when we the 2012 season we went up to New England to play the Seattle Seahawks the unveiling of the Legion of Boom. I've, I know I've told that story yeah, before, yeah, 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 you told but it. the story, but that whole week that was like one of the only times I remember being there where everybody was like, "Damn, they're good," and "Damn, we don't really know how this game plan is going to work." Like mm. it was, it was a different week. Um, but Josh was amazing, and then sometimes he'd be locked in that room. And I might have called like the wrong coverage on a certain defense for like 20 plays in my breakdown. Chris, come on. I mean, that's how you talk. I mean, look, pull up play 71. Pull it up. You see the way the corner's playing there? That's not cover three. And, you know, I'd be like, oh, I'm sorry, Josh. I'm sorry. Were you really like, did you really apologize? Because I only know you as the guy that walks around the office and says whatever the fuck he wants. Like, (laughs) so were you really like, I know that you were the lowest man on the total Yeah, I did not want to let down people like Josh or the other offensive staff. It was because, first of all, every day was a race to get work done. So Uh, if I had to go back and fix 25 things, I'd be like, ah. Gosh, damn, now I'm going to be here till 11.30 tonight. Damn it. The people that have been in that office for as long as they have, yeah. it's insane to me. Insane. Brainwashed. Brainwashed. But like when you're winning Super Bowls, it's kind of the it, point. It does take the edge away. Um, all right, let's do a few, uh, whoa, big training camps. Whoa. Uh, Chris Harris Jr. says Cortland Sutton is up there with DeAndre Hawkins and Des Bryant mm. in terms of getting 50-50 balls. I could see that. He was amazing. I mean, it, it, his quarterback was so bad at SMU. He couldn't. It, was it may more, have helped him with 50-50 oh, I mean, balls. Yeah, he, he had to do everything he could to get a hand on the ball, but... Yeah, I think this is a guy to watch out for. I really do. This is like, to me, the guy we were talking about, a better version of Kelvin Benjamin coming out. Kelvin mm. Benjamin, I know, was a first-rounder, and he was on Florida State, and they won the national championship. Sure. But this guy's same size, better route runner, better with the ball in his hand. And I'm also blown away at every Bronco story is a player on that team going, we think we can win the Super Bowl with Case Keenum. <laughs> like, they're blown away by yeah. Case Keenum. Yeah. I look at that, that wide receiving core. Demarius, Emmanuel Sanders, Cortland Sutton, and I go, and if you had a quarterback that can hit them, they've always been talented. Mm -hmm. I've just avoided them all the time because it's been Brock Osweiler and... I mean, Demarius at one point was a top five receiver in this league. Yes, he was. He was. J.J. Watt, on one of your personal favorites, D.J. Reader. Quote, he's the best nose guard in the league. I don't know if nose guards even make the Pro Bowl anymore just because of how it's set up. But do you do you think he's up there? I do. When when they lost Whitney Merciless and JJ Watt, you said, "Man, they could still get it done because this DJ Reader is something special." He is a beast in the middle. Yeah, he is a true you know nose plug, right? I mean, two gapper, Vince Wilfork of their defense, but got good athleticism and unbelievable strength at the point of attack. You cannot move him. Another Clemson 
just powerhouse in the middle of that defense. And they play the true 3-4, so they need a guy like that. He's amazing. He's one of the best there is in the sport right now. He is truly a guy that fucks the play up. Yes. And I am now officially, on this Monday show, requesting applications for fuck the play up correspondence. Please help Here's us. how this is going to work. I need to stress this. You're going to have to do it every week. So if you really want this, don't just be like, I want to be involved in the podcast. You guys know that we find different ways to get people involved in the podcast. This is for people that are really going to watch their team and focus on just their team and their D-line and linebackers and people that F the play up. And we'll explain it a little bit later. But the really genesis is, is if DJ Reader pushes the center and guard back and the running back has to take a wide turn and someone else gets the tackle, we want to shout out DJ reader right. for it so we're looking for one person for every team uh, i think the smartest way to do it is let's start a thread on reddit f the play up and then everyone will kind of apply but i'm asking don't just do it to be up to do it we really want people that are going to really invest in it yeah because we want to keep track right and at the end of the year we want to give away an award yeah we do it's because um, we're tired of someone like dj reader getting jj watt to the pro bowl because he's taking on double teams yeah. and no one ever knows Right. It. Yeah. We're the players podcast, and these are the guys that are really, really stars the in the NFL. Players podcast. Oh, well, they like fatties. Fat guys need love too. Okay. Offensive linemen, defensive linemen. Yeah. Well, they're the guys that get no credit for anything anymore. I mean, the games become all about receivers, DBs, and quarterbacks. Gosh, if you don't have great ones of that, how can you win the game? Yes. Oh, okay. You know why? Because it's easier to fit into an Instagram graphic. Yeah, you're right. Right. But yet uh, the team that won the Super Bowl has got a great offense and defensive line and deep as hell there. Oh, man. The and, Eagles. Yeah. What team? The Eagles. They won the Super Bowl this year? The Eagles. Shit. <laughs> Don't look over up, Dawkins. He can't save you. Uh, last one for, whoa, big training camp. Whoa. Uh, there's a wide receiver in Jacksonville that's catching the attention of the cornerbacks. It's my man. DJ Chark. Yeah, I told you. Uh, AJ Bouye says that man is athletic. He's got a baby face, but he plays like he's 30. Mm -hmm. Him and Jalen Ramsey working against each other every practice. You love that because they're going against the best in the game. If they can do it against Jalen, you get excited. It's not only him. Keelan Cole's taking another big step. That wide receivers room has a lot of competition. I've heard that there's some people going on other podcasts saying that the Jacksonville wide receivers were the reason they really tucked it in and got nervous last year. The Jacksonville wide receiving core is still a top 10 wide receiving core in the NFL. Yeah. Oh, they don't have Allen Robinson. Oh, they lose Allen Hearns. Maybe they let those guys go because D.D. Westbrook was a baller last year. Yeah. Maybe they let those guys go because Keelan Cole was making big plays every single game. No doubt about it. Marquise Lee played really Marquise well. I mean, Lee. They paid him $7 million. Jaden Mickens went for an 85-yard touchdown against the Seattle Seahawks. And it's not because Bortles threw him open. No, it's... This is where the brilliance of Tom Coughlin, we've talked about it, I know. Yes. He's an ex-wide receiver coach. He knows how to find these little diamonds in the rough that yeah, they might not be valued as these $12 million a year type receivers, but they're going to play like it this year, and you're going to go, damn, how, who is this guy? You know, Dante Mike Moncrief added right. to it. DJ Shark, uh, man. I mean, he has a chance to be in the conversation, I think, for one of the best receivers in football. He has that type of talent. He wow. was an A.J. Green-ish type of guy at LSU. Another one where if he had a better quarterback and a little better offense, we would have been going, 
wow, this guy I think is a top 20 pick. But because he didn't, people just look at the bottom line stats and, and it goes from there. So he's a guy that you see with limitless potential. I really do. I thought he was a phenomenal route runner at 6'3", 195. He ran, what, 4'3", at the Combine, I believe. I think he was the fastest offensive player at this past year's Combine. And... Um, four three four. Four three four. And yeah, he is a punt returner and he can make people miss after the catch and catches fifty fifty balls. Like the film to watch him was phenomenal. Like that's where I, I wanted to go. Like there was a I remember we talked about it where I was like, man, there's like thirty snaps where he's wide open for touchdowns and he either has to stop and catch the ball for a thirty yard gain or he doesn't even get to catch the ball at all. If he gets like half of those, we're talking about a guy who like had thirteen hundred yards receiving and like led college football on receiving. But the quarterback play didn't lend to that and So then, he'll be used to this. Yeah. He, <laughs> he could be. Uh I have a quote from Blake Bortles that's gonna kinda wrap up our show. Uh that I don't. I know I don't have to defend your rankings anymore, but I, I just don't think people listen sometimes. And I, I had someone the other day tell me, well, Blake Portals did have that 4,500-yard season, and I was like, yeah. the stats after a while are just bullshit. Well, yeah, you mean the year they were 3-13? and 13? Is that the yes. year they're talking about? Blake Portals said, via First Coast News, I think the positive is that the lows aren't nearly as low as they were. They're still up and down, which is going to be when you play our defense every day. I think the floor has risen. The lows aren't as bad. It is one, two, three bad plays compared to where there were times last year where I would go for a whole day of having a bad practice and not really feeling good about it. I think we'll have a chance. He's the only starting quarterback that is not measured in how good he could be. It's how much bad can he avoid. I know. I know. He tells you it. He literally says it. He's telling people he's not there a natural thrower. There is no thrower. starting quarterback that talks like this. I know. That's why I. That's where I'm. I'm trying to drive home the point. My point with the whole 70th thing is, again, there's about there's almost every quarterback in football if they were afforded the luxuries that Blake Bortles had of playing on this team and every week is about managing Blake so he doesn't screw. Everybody would have his numbers, but better. And the team would be better. So he's been afforded this luxury because he was the third pick of the draft, and they just don't want to end the game on it. But, yes, I mean, all the signs, and you're in the weeds like me, you can read between the lines. None of the players ever talk about I've, his I've physical never, ability. I mean, the Jaguars put He's out, great in the locker yes. room. He's a good guy. They didn't even have him model the new uniforms. He wins. He, he didn't model the new uniforms. Right. Yes. So I look at it like this, though. I'm going to take a weird stance. Yeah. I think Blake Bortles has a good year. And the reason is... That they're awesome? Well, that's one. <laughs> but two, all the stuff that I'm reading is he... It's been pounded into his head this offseason. Yeah. We're checking it down, pal. Yeah. We're going to enjoy the checkdowns. Mm-hmm. You don't need to prove that you're number three. All of this is, I'm going to avoid the bad. Yeah. He can be successful yeah. if he avoids the bad. Right. But... We look at it and go, how amazing could you be if you had a quarterback that could embrace the right. good? They're not maximizing their team. They're not. No, I know. They're, it's a very hard way. They're electing to win. They're electing to win a Super Bowl like the 2000 Ravens. They're going to go, we're just going to make it 13 to 12 and we're going to win. Yes. And that's, yeah, you know, you might be able to do it. And this team has the talent to do that. But that just takes one bad bounce of the football and you don't get it. And yeah. then all of a sudden you go, damn, we were really good. Why did we lose those five games this year? Well, because every game was a field goal game, and the NFL is crazy. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. It's another year with a lot of pressure on Leonard Fournette to really 
get that offense going. Yeah. And it's going to be a lot of pressure on that defense to score points. Yeah, and Nate Hackett. Poor Nate Hackett. One last thing. Uh, this was a question from an Instagrammer. Uh, and after this, Josh Fendrick's interview with Drew Brees. Uh, he texted me afterwards, Fendrick, and said uh, it was more proof as to why I, I'm not doing what you do. I was like, all right, we'll see. I haven't listened to it yet. Woodmaster5000 says that he is from Tuttle, Oklahoma, which is the hometown of Blake Jarwin. And to all of the Sims of Lefko listeners, there were dozens of you that reminded me that Blake Jarwin's not a rookie. Thank you. I've got the message. I saw that. But Woodmaster5000 says that Blake Jarwin he believes will have more than 30 catches this season. Hmm. If he does, this is his proposal, I want to come on set for the show with a plus one. If he doesn't, I will shave an eyebrow. You are a lot better at this than I am. Is that worth it to you? Do you want to accept this proposal from Woodmaster 5000? He'll shave an eyebrow if Blake Jarwin catches less than 30 balls. But if he catches more, he gets to come on the set mm. with a plus one. I, I mean, I think that's a it's a risky proposition by him. What about for us? I, I don't know this guy, and I don't know who his plus one is. That's very true. It's very scary. He didn't say. I mean, but I'd like to know who his plus one is. But so you're kind of like the Hall of Fame now. Well, I just want to know who this. Well, hey, this is this is our damn show. Sorry, <laughs> we'll we'll hijack our own show at our own expense. But do but we want to see this guy's? I mean, it's kind of fun. We get to watch Blake Jarwin and get upset if he catches a lot of balls. Are you looking at the depth chart? Yeah, I am. <laughs> They really don't have any receivers right now. No, it's, he's going to get some play for sure. It, it'll be close. Are you okay with 30? Do you want to raise it? I don't know if he'd be okay with that. Yeah, I know. Do we, we want to negotiate for, with podcast 40, terrorists? 40 could be too unrealistic. Um, 32? No, I don't want... Let, let's... 30? Are we really, gonna, are we really thinking about I'm having this I'm letting guy you here? decide. Man, on the spot, just letting me decide. 30 catches. Or, or we get a video of him shaving off an eyebrow with a thanks, Blake Jarwin. Maybe his eyebrows are shaved already. Um, okay, I think... Um, Villanueva. Okay, I think we we're should doing do it. it. Woodmaster 5000, challenge accepted. We're not, do we, we, yeah, okay, fine, we're doing it. Okay. <laughs> All right, everybody, keep your eye on Blake Jarwin this season because it could what be Woodmaster. What was Woodmasters. your whole big offseason uh, like thing with him? I don't even remember. When it, I mean, he was he was the uh, unknown guy that was getting a ton of praise that nobody was being talked about more than Blake Jarwin by Stephen Jones. Yeah, right. Stephen Jones, the coach and general manager of the Cowboys. Uh, guys, thank you so much as it's always. Be close, that one. Oof. It is. We are. Um, you. Uh, yeah, play the music because we're not involved in the next thing. That's just Josh Fendrick. We are going on the road tomorrow. We are going to California and we have big stops for our upcoming show. That's going to be really cool shoots. We're going to be with some Rams, some Chargers, some Niners. It's going to be a blast. And we're also going to do, I think, some 30 minute pods while we're on the road. Just kind of doing like some little recaps. Uh, we'll hang out in Fendrick's hotel room and then just like give him wet wellies and make him record us. Um, Woodmaster? Yes. If Blake gets hurt, you're shaving an eyebrow. Yeah, you're still shaving. There's no excuses. You can't make the club in the tub. Sorry. <laughs> uh, so, guys, up now. 
Here is, for your listening pleasure, it is also, excuse me, I forgot to tell you guys, an audio exclusive. So you need to go to iTunes and subscribe. Why don't you unsubscribe and then resubscribe to listen to the interview? Sounds like you're cheating the numbers. Let's yep, go. Yep, I am. Here is Josh Fendrick with Drew Brees. Let's go. Thank you very much. Now joined by the legend, one of our favorite quarterbacks in the entire NFL, Drew Brees of the New Orleans Saints. Drew, before we talk football, just a question for you. I know you're hosting members of the military today with the USAA at the Salute to Service NFL Boot Camp. Can you just tell us a little bit about what you got going on today? Absolutely. So we had a bunch of members of our military come out to our training camp practice today, and then afterward we're putting on a, a boot camp with them. Uh, thanks to USAA and obviously the relationship they have with the NFL and, and, and the partnership with our salute to service that we do each and every year to, to honor their services and, and obviously um, what USAA does for them to create you know unique opportunities, uh, unique once-in-a-lifetime kind of authentic opportunities like this boot camp opportunity for us as NFL players to come out and show our appreciation to them as well. So we're actually in the St. Indoor facility right now doing a bunch of combine drills and They've broken up into teams, and you know they're accumulating point values as a team. And at the end of this, we're going to have a, a, a winner. So we're having a lot of fun. Forty-yard dash, you know, doing like the quarterback-receiver gauntlet, doing the the shuttle, doing all kinds of fun stuff. So we're having a good time. So Drew, one of the things we like to do on Sims and Lefko whenever we have a guest to join the show is open it up to the audience to ask some questions. So I got some questions from the fans. I'm going to read them to you, and then we want to hear what you think. So the first question from Adam Lefko at Adam Lefko on Twitter: How much of a genius is Sean Payton? Sean, Sean's great. You know, Sean is. I think he's one of the best communicators, best teachers. You know, when it comes to, um, um, or, or you're communicating a message as well. You know, not just uh, I'm talking X's and O's with with uh, offensive football, but just uh, in building a team. You know, in building a culture. I think he's done a great job of that here and continues to do that with the guys that we're acquiring and um you know obviously just the process by which you go through training camp and each and every day you just kind of have a different emphasis on what you're trying to accomplish but you know what we're creating here with this team is exciting and um obviously you know he being our head coach um and, and him being my head coach now for the last 13 years here in new orleans um you know i I'm, i just i value that that relationship and, and, and appreciate the opportunity to to play for a coach like that. Next question from Ed Romaine. A lot of people talk about Tom Brady playing at his age and his fitness, but Sims and Lefko have said on their podcast that they think you're in better shape than Tom. Do you have any fitness tips, and is there a DB9 book coming out anytime soon to give people fitness advice? <laughs> Listen, there's no, top, there's no doubt that Tom has done a phenomenal job um, in taking care of his body, and obviously he has a routine that works really well for him. Um, he continues to play at a very, very high level. Um, you know, I, I've got my routine. Um, I've got things that I've done uh, throughout my career. I continue to fine-tune that each and every offseason. And, you know, just try to be in tip-top shape and, and be able to play my very best, you know. And um, I, uh, all I can say is that I, I, I like my routine. I, I, I feel like more and more of the last five years I've really – paid more attention to diet and sleep habits and recovery and just those things that maybe as a young player you don't really think of as much. You know, you just you kind of used to just going out there and making things happen, you know, on your own athletic ability. But it takes a lot more than that, you know, especially as you get older. You know, you've got to, got to really, really, you know, pay even closer attention to 
lot of those finer details. So the next question is from David Whitman at Sin City Soldier. How did you become the best leader and hype man in the NFL? Your pregame huddles are legendary. <laughs> hype man. I don't know if I've ever been called a hype man. That's your, that's your title. Um, yeah, that's my, that's my deal, right? Um, you know, it's kind of crazy how that started. You know, it started in 2008, and I was getting outside my comfort zone a little bit. You know, I'd never, I was never the rah-rah guy. You know, as a quarterback, you always, you always try to be real calm, cool, and collected, especially prior to a game. Um, but I felt like at that time with our team, it was needed. You know, somebody kind of needed to step up and fill that role, and I figured, all right, well, why not me? I'll do it. So um, it kind of took on a life of its own after that. You know, each and every year it was like the team would look forward to kind of what was going to be the new chan or, you know, kind of the new hype-up deal, you know, pregame. So just kept kept evolving and kept coming up with new stuff and, you know, would get uh, you know talk to leaders on the team, kind of get recommendations and different things, and we you know we just do stuff that was unique to our team. You know, they, they'd apply to our team and would get us ready to play each and every week. So it's fun. You know, I'm that kind of guy used to it. But at the end of the day, it's about it's about getting your guys ready to play, getting your guys ready to go win, get your guys ready to go play for one another, and um, just leave it all on the field. Justin Curry at Life Changer JC. Next question: When did you know Alvin Kamara was special? Was there a moment when you saw him that you knew he was going to be special? You know, um, it's funny because you know we draft him second round, but we are, we had Mark. You know, we had Mark Ingram and we had Adrian Peterson, right? You know, so so Alvin was one of these guys that we thought, okay, you know, he'll get some touches on third down or you know as a as a you know, one of these kind of specialty backs kind of coming out of the backfield, split him out, do that kind of stuff with him. And then we, we, we quickly realized, I remember he made a run in the uh, second preseason game against the San Diego Chargers. He made a run. That we all kind of looked at each other and we were like, whoa, you know, that was, that was pretty, pretty special. Like he kind of hit the hole and just turned on the afterburners and pulled away from everybody. And maybe he's kind of deceivingly fast and, you know, you just, the more opportunities he got, the more you just began to see things that just became really, you know, apparent. Like, man, this guy's got some, got some serious skills. So, the more opportunity he got, the the, the most, the, you know, the more that he made with those opportunities. And man, he he had a pretty spectacular rookie season last year. Um, what I love is, I think he's remained very humble. Um, he's got a really good work ethic. Um, I like the way he approaches, you know, practice, and he's extremely intelligent. Um, you know, I feel like the more we give him, the more that he embraces it. So I'm excited to see what, what he'll be able to do for us this season. Next question from Chris Sims at C Sims QB on Twitter. And we know this is a tough one to bring up, but we want to ask you now, start a camp, start of the new season. Coming out of the playoffs last year, how long does it take to get over a loss like the one you guys had in the playoffs to the Vikings? Listen, you get over it pretty quickly because you say, you know what, man, we, we, we did everything we had. I mean, it was, it's, man, it's tough to – tough to put ourselves in the circumstances that we did that game. You know, we were down 17 nothing, and all of a sudden we come back and have a chance to win that game, you know, 24-23, um, scoring all those points in the second half. And, but, listen, I guess it wasn't meant to be, you know, and I feel like you learn. Sometimes you have to learn hard lessons, and, and it's what motivates you and strengthens you and brings, brings you together as a team and, you know, maybe poises you to accomplish even greater things in the future. So that's the way I look at it is let's just put us in a position to accomplish greater things in the future. Drew, a couple more for you. Ripley, at that guy, Ripley wants to know, which defensive backs have given Drew the most trouble over the years? Any DB has come to mind over the years that have given you the most trouble? 
Um, well, you know, there's there's uh, there's certainly guys around the league that you know. I think throughout my career that uh, have been you know elite corners, guys that you know. I remember my San Diego Charger days. Whenever we go play the Denver Broncos, you know it was Champ Bailey, right? You always had to know where Champ Bailey was on the field, and and you have those times where you haven't, you know, get to play against guys like Darrell Revis, or you know, nowadays it's it's you know Marcus Peters and and some of these other guys. So listen, there's there's a there's a myriad of good DBs, you know, that are out there. Um, so each and every each and every week, those guys present challenges. Uh, two more for you, Drew, and then we'll let you go. Jacob at the Jacob Morris wants to know, as someone who left Austin, Texas, to go to, uh, to, go to Purdue, how would you compare the food in Austin to America's heartland, Indiana, and does New Orleans have the best food of any city you've been to? <laughs> All right. I like, I like talking cuisine. Well, I, I tell you what, Austin, Austin's unique. You know, Austin's got a lot of culture for, for – uh, for a city in Texas, you know, it's, uh, certainly we got our Texas pride down there, but, uh, I'd say the Tex-Mex food in Austin is pretty strong. Um, and there's some pretty strong, uh, barbecue places down there too. You know, you got Salt Lake, you got Franklin barbecue. Um, you know, you come to New Orleans, man, it's, it's hard to beat, it's hard to beat that, you know, that, that Cajun cuisine down here, the, the, that Louisiana, that Louisiana flavor. Um, there's just so many great places. I mean, literally, you could pick a different restaurant every night uh, <laughs> and for, for, for 10 years straight and, and not hit the same place twice. It's crazy. So, uh, I'm, you know what? I'm, 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 if you ask me, like, hey, what, 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 what would be, like, your last meal on this earth? Mine would be chicken fried steak, like country fried steak, uh, mashed potatoes, probably green beans, fried okra, black-eyed peas, all smothered in, like, white cream gravy. I mean, that's just about as good as it gets right there. So that's a hell of a place. call that call that Texas. That's Indiana. I, I I had that quite a few times at some places in Indiana as well. So that's just you know that's just some that's just some good old you know uh, comfort food there. So Drew, last question for you before we let you go. One of the things we talk about on the podcast all the time is that whenever a player this time of year talks about how good his team is going to be this season or how far they're going to go in the playoffs. It's national news, no matter what the player says. So our question for you, are the Saints going to win the Super Bowl this year? <laughs> hey, man, we're going to take it one step at a time. You know, I like our team, but we got a lot of work to do. Just creating, you know, trying to approach every day with a great sense of urgency. Um, and, you know, see how good we can be. I, uh, I think we can be pretty good, but we got a lot of work to do. All right, once again, Drew Brees, USAA, Salute to Service, NFL Boot Camp. Drew, where can people go to find out more information? Well, uh, of course, the USAA uh, website, but but also uh, Salute to Service, um, they can go to and, and, and see all the great things that the partnership between uh, USAA and the NFL are doing to, to serve um, uh, our military and their families. Um, doing a tremendous job, just like this boot camp that we just held at the Saints facility today. Um, it's great to be able to spend time with all, all of our military members. And uh, uh, looking forward to a great season and, and, and then being a part of that as well. Awesome, Drew. Thanks very much. Good luck this season. All right. Thank you.